Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Can you imagine being in that room? That would, be, would have been an amazing experience, wouldn't it? How about walking this earth with Jesus? Can you imagine walking this earth with Jesus for three years, watching him turn water into wine, watching him walk on water, that's my personal favorite, watching him cleanse lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, multiply food, loaves and fishes. Can you imagine what that would have been like? And can you imagine being one of those disciples that Jesus spoke to in John 16, and he said these words, some of the most stunning words in the Gospels for sure, if not the New Testament. Jesus says this as he's explaining to them that he's going away. Can you imagine? They've, they've experienced these amazing things, and then Jesus says, I'm going away. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. I, could, I can imagine. <laughs> Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now that's an interesting statement right there, isn't it? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. In fact, Jesus had just told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They've never experienced Jesus ever misleading them, ever saying anything that was untrue. They know he's the son of God, and he's saying, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. <laughs> What's about to come must be very challenging to understand, to believe. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Can you say, to my advantage? I heard a couple of English accents in there. I appreciate that. I was listening carefully. Because <laughs> Jesus speaks with an English accent. I, I just... It is to your advantage that I am going away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. What's going on here is Jesus is saying, it's better, not for me, it's better for you, disciples, if I leave. Because if I leave then I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. But if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. The Holy Spirit, this helper that Jesus just was speaking about must be an incredible person if it is better for us that Jesus goes so that he can come. Would you agree? Because remember he said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. <laughs> One of the things we see in the New Testament church in the book of Acts is that the Holy Spirit, this helper that Jesus has spoken of, 
he has a very central role in the life of both the disciples and the church in the book of Acts. Have you noticed that? We'll, we'll talk a bit more about that. But what I want you to see this morning and what the Holy Spirit wants you to see this morning is that he wants to have the same kind of central role in our lives and in the life of our church and the church across Canada and around the world as he did as is recorded in the book of Acts. Do you believe that? He does. One of the reasons that we don't see the Holy Spirit having that kind of a role in our lives personally or in our churches is because we have not fully understood who he is. Because I would suggest if we understood who the Holy Spirit is, then we would welcome him and long for him to have the kind of place in our lives individually and as churches that they did in the book of Acts. So here's the first thing that we need to know about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God. <laughs> now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, okay, is that supposed to be like news? Probably not for most of you. If you grew up in church, if you've read your Bible, that would probably not be, you know, a news flash for you. But I wonder what it would look like if we actually believed that the Holy Spirit is God. I mean, not just here in our, in our heads intellectually, but like we were fully convinced with our entire being that the Holy Spirit is God. We find out in, in uh, the New Testament that there are some defining attributes of God. There are some things that make God who he is. And we could talk about lots of different things, but I'm going to use three big words that begin with omni. Anybody familiar with these omni words? <laughs> the first one is that God is omnipotent, which means all-powerful. The second that we see about God in the, New, in the Old and New Testament is that he is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. There's no, you can't, you know, share new information with God. I know sometimes we like to think we can. God, are you aware that dot, dot, dot? Are you aware that I lost my job? Are you aware that I am having a challenge in this relationship? And God's like, oh, really? I, I was not aware. Thank you, Nathan, for informing me of this, you know. No, God is all-knowing. And then God is omnipresent. He is present everywhere, at all times, all at the same time. Anybody else qualify for being omnipresent? <laughs> this is who God is. So here's the question. If God is those things, is the Holy Spirit? <laughs> you say, of course he is. Well, what does the Bible say? 
What does the Bible say? Because it doesn't matter what we think, because I, I, I bet you a whole bunch of you have heard people tell you that those things are true. But what does the Bible actually say about these things? Is the Holy Spirit really defined by these characteristics? Well, the first thing, so the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. Did you know that in the book of Job, Job 33 verse 4, this is what it says, the Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. That's what the Bible says. The Spirit of God has made you. The breath of the Almighty has given you life. So far, I would say that's pretty omnipotent. Let me throw another one in there. How about the fact that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and caused her to conceive as a virgin and give birth to the Son of God? Because remember, that was the role of the Holy Spirit that did that. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. How about omniscient? Is he all-knowing? Isaiah 40 verse 13 says, Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? And then in 1 Corinthians 2, I, I really like this passage of scripture. Listen to what it says. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Did you know that God has prepared some things for you because you love him? God has prepared things for you because you love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by whom? By his spirit. The spirit searches all things even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, knows everything that God the Father and God the Son knows. He's omniscient. And even better than this, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal these things to us. He wants to reveal who God is to us. He wants to reveal the things that God has prepared for us to us. Isn't that cool? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And he can because he's omniscient. He knows all things. How about omnipresent? Psalm 139. Fantastic psalm. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up into the heavens, guess what? You're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will will hold me fast. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He is everywhere. There is nowhere that you and I can go, even if you try to run away from the presence of God, from the Holy Spirit, you will not be successful. Wherever we are, he is. 
because he fills this entire universe with himself. But then there's some passages of, of Scripture where we find that the Holy Spirit is specifically called God. You may remember the example in uh, Acts 5 of Ananias and Sapphira. And they decided that they were going to sell their property and bring it to the disciples, but pretend like they had given everything when in fact they had held back some of it. It wasn't a problem that they were only going to give part of the proceeds of the land they sold. That wasn't a problem. The problem was they attempted to lie about it. And listen to what Peter says to Ananias. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? In other words, you could have chosen to keep some of it, it's okay. But why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. He said he had lied to the Holy Spirit and then lied to God because the Holy Spirit is God. And then we find out in John 3 that we must be born of the Spirit. But then in 1 John 5, it tells us that to be born of the Spirit is to be born of God. And then lastly, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, it says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Chapter 3. And then chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. See, we are God's temple because God the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. To be the temple of the Holy Spirit is to be the temple of God. And this connects to the second thing we need to know about the Holy Spirit. We need to know that the Holy Spirit is God, but here's the next thing we need to know. The Holy Spirit is God in you. Now think about that. The Holy Spirit is God in you. If you and I are followers of Jesus, if we have given our lives to God, if we have received Christ as our Lord and our Savior, the Holy Spirit is God in us. Now again, I, I'm guessing that many of you already know this intellectually. <laughs> many of us have heard this many times. But this is what Jesus says to his disciples when he's talking about this helper that he's going to send. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. Why? For he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is in us. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, okay, but Jesus is talking to the disciples. I mean, let's keep this in context. <laughs> I love context. It's important. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. That's true. And he's saying the Holy Spirit is with you and he will be in you. Okay, it's good. I'm glad you caught that. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just live 
within some believers. It's not just for the super Christians, the apostles, the people that saw Jesus when he was on this earth. The Holy Spirit lives inside of every believer. Well, how do we know that? Let me tell you. Romans 8, verse 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, first of all, the Apostle Paul is no longer talking to the original 12 disciples. He is talking to the believers in Rome. And then listen to this statement. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. In other words, the only way that you can be saved is if you at the same time get the Holy Spirit coming and living and dwelling on the inside of you. Therefore, if you have given your life to Jesus, if you've placed your faith in him, God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you. Every true believer, every true follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Let's just pause and think about this for a moment. Because like I said, it's very easy for us to hear these things and we've heard them so many times that it just doesn't really, the light note doesn't come on anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? Think about this. The all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present God of the universe lives inside of you. Think about that. I'm talking about the God, God the Holy Spirit, who breathed life into Adam. I'm talking about God the Holy Spirit who filled the tabernacle in the wilderness with his presence. I'm talking about God the Holy Spirit who came on the prophets and the priests and the kings of the Old Testament. I'm talking about the God, God the Holy Spirit, who came upon Mary and caused her to conceive the Son of God. I'm talking about the Spirit of God who descended upon Jesus when he was baptized, who anointed and filled him and led him into the wilderness. I'm talking about God the Holy Spirit whose power so filled Jesus that he could walk on water, raise the dead, cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, multiply loaves and fishes. The same Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Wow. I think that God the Holy Spirit wants us to understand that. How would that change the way you and I live if we believe that? Again, not just intellectually, not just I read it in the Bible, but it actually drops from our brains into the very core of our being so that we begin to live like that's true. How would it change the way we live? See, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But also, if you know what Jesus is like, you know what the Holy Spirit is like. Because Jesus said that he was sending another helper 
someone just like him was coming, and he would become God in us. See, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. Do you know what it means? God with us. God with us came so that the Holy Spirit could become God in us. Do you understand that God in us is a step better than God with us? That's not to say that the Holy Spirit is greater than Jesus. They're co-equal. There's no issue there. But isn't it better to have God within us than just with us? And Jesus was limited. He could only be in one place at one time. He could only carry on one conversation at one time. But the Holy Spirit can be in all of us, all at the same time. And he can carry on a conversation with all of us, all at the same time. And Jesus had to sleep, he had to eat, he had to go, you know, go this place, go that, that place, from Nazareth to Galilee. He couldn't always be in the same place with, with us, but the Holy Spirit can It is better for you if I go away, because if I go away, I will send the helper, the Holy Spirit, and he won't just be with you, he will be in you forever. Jesus became God with us so that the Holy Spirit could become God in us. Why did the Holy Spirit become God in us? Now... It wasn't just so that you could feel tingles, okay? It wasn't just so that you could feel the anointing. Although I'm telling you, I love to sense the anointing and the presence of God. It's, it's amazing. What an, an amazing thing that God allows us to sense his very presence But the reason why the Holy Spirit wanted to become God in us is because, number three, the Holy Spirit wants relationship with us. You know, I'm thinking about um, Cecile, my wife. I had known her for years, and I fell in love with her. I'm still in love with her. Isn't that good news? And we could have just done life together, you know. I could have just say, hey, Cecile, you want to get together, together for another date? You know, and she leaves her house and comes to my house and we have a date. But I didn't want that. I didn't want those kinds of constraints in my relationship with Cecile. I wanted to move into the same house as her. I wanted to be as close as two humans can be <laughs> with her. I wanted a close relationship with Cecile. And that is what God wants with you. He wasn't content to be God with us. He wanted to become God in us because he loves us and wants to be close to us. 
2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with some of you. (laughs) May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of the pastors. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of the really important followers of Jesus. No. What does it say? The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Or if you're from Texas, (laughs) y'all. The fellowship. Now, do you know what the word fellowship is? Do you, want, do you want to take any guesses why I would mention that word? It's koinonia. That's the Greek word that's used there. And it always speaks about a close, mutual relationship. That is the kind of relationship that the Holy Spirit wants with you and I. The grace of Jesus reveals the love of the Father which makes possible the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And because of the grace of Jesus, because of the love of the Father, we can have a close, mutual relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus did not just come to save you from your sins. As amazing as that is, Jesus came to restore fellowship, a close, mutual relationship between you and him, because that is what was lost between Adam and God, between Eve and God because of sin. And God was not just saving us from our sins, he was saving us for himself, Because he wants to be close to us. He wants us to know him like he knows us. And through Jesus, he made that possible. How do we experience this kind of fellowship? It's through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Who, by the way, Corinthians tells us, we have become one spirit with Isn't that amazing? You can't get any closer than one spirit. And the disciples in the book of Acts, they knew what it was like to experience this kind of mutual, close relationship with the Holy Spirit. He leads them. He speaks to them. He sends them. He directs them. He confirms direction in their lives. I was re- I'm reading through the book of Acts right now. I encourage you to do that as we're going through this series because it will come alive to you in a new way. The, the Apostle Peter is on the housetop, and you may remember this tablecloth comes down full of unclean food. Unclean as in the Jews were told originally in the Old Testament they were not to eat it. And it tells it tells us in the book of Acts that when Cornelius and his Gentile um, cohort come to Peter, that the Holy Spirit said to Peter, go with those men. I want you to tell them about me. 
And when Philip gets translated, which we won't get into because that's really cool and it would take too much time, gets translated from one place to the next by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit says to Philip, I want you to go to that chariot over there and talk to that guy. And we see this throughout the, the uh, book of Acts. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit confirmed. The Holy Spirit led. The Holy Spirit compelled. The Holy Spirit is involved in every aspect of their lives. And the Holy Spirit makes possible fellowship not only with himself, but with God the Father, God the Son, and with each other of us in the body of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit makes possible. Can you see why Jesus would say, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away? This is what the Holy Spirit does. And you know what the Holy Spirit loves to do more than anything else? It's to testify about Jesus. It's to glorify and reveal and help us understand what Jesus has said. That's what the Holy Spirit loves to do. So if you want to know Jesus, then you definitely want to know the Holy Spirit. You don't want to just try to have a relationship with Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the Pharisees wanted to have a relationship with God the Father without God the Son. They rejected Jesus, and they were like, no, God is our Father. We're going to have a relationship with God. Jesus, we're not interested. But equally, we aren't supposed to be trying to have a relationship with Jesus without God the Holy Spirit. Because God the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals Jesus. He's the one who testifies about Jesus. He's the one who glorifies Jesus. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do and what he loves to do. The Holy Spirit was at the center of the life of the first disciples and of the early church. He wants to be at the center of our lives too. Our driving to work lives, our walking to school lives, our shopping lives, our connecting with friends lives, our studying for an exam life. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit so that he can be at the center of all of those things and making it possible for us to have a close, intimate relationship with God the Father and God the Son and with himself and with one another. Because the Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit is in us, and the Holy Spirit wants an intimate, close relationship with us. But this won't happen unless we make room for it. See, the Holy Spirit does not force his way into your life. In the New Testament, we find out that evil spirits, they possess, they drive, they control people. But the Holy Spirit is very different. He invites, he draws, he leads but he will not force you. He will not make you make time for him. He'll invite you. He'll draw you. He'll encourage you. But he won't force himself into your life.
We need to make room for the Holy Spirit. And in just a few moments, we're going to do exactly that. We're going to take some time to sing and worship and invite the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you may be like, hang on a second, if you're quick. Hang on a second, didn't you say he's with us always? I mean, he's omnipresent. Very good, I'm glad you caught that. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit loves to manifest his presence to us. His presence is everywhere. It's everywhere at all times. But he also loves to reveal himself so that our physical senses can pick up on the fact that he is in the room. Have you ever sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit? Where he's allowed, he's given us the privilege, the amazing honor of knowing that he is present. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now to fill us fresh to fill this place. We know you're already here, but would you give us the honor? Would you allow us the privilege of sensing your presence, of knowing your nearness? We honor you. You are holy. And there is no one like you. We want to know the Father. And we want to know Jesus Christ. We want to understand his words. We want to, we want to know him. Holy Spirit, as we begin to worship, would you reveal and glorify Jesus? Would you allow us to understand more fully his grace, the Father's love, and God's desire for a close, intimate relationship with us? Holy Spirit, we're not going to rush. We're not going to be looking at our clocks and trying to figure out how much longer this is going to be. We choose to give you the honor the respect that you deserve to create some space for you to come and be with us the way you desire. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.